You are listening to the 12 Stone Podcast. For more information on our eight locations or service times, please visit 12stone.com. Now enjoy Pastor Miles Welch as he delivers a fresh vision for Jesus Christ. So welcome to 12 Stone here uh, at the campuses online. We're so glad that you're with us today. I think God has something special for us. Hopefully you sense that. Um, I sure do, and I'll tell you why. It was on a Tuesday um, of this week that I was putting the finishing touches on my message, and it was strong, and the illustrations were great, and the points were powerful, and I was like 90% done, and God uh, interrupted me, and he said, you have the wrong message, and, and uh, I have another one for the church this Sunday, and I said, nah and God said back, uh-huh. And uh, you ever argue with God? Anybody ever argue with God? Um, so uh, I was explaining to God how um, God, but look at the illustrations. They're so powerful, and the, the points are just the right on. You know, surely this is the right one, but God was being difficult. And uh, so I, uh, I called a couple uh, trusted friends uh, and people in my life, and because and I thought they would obviously side with me, And they all betrayed me. They all sided with him. My wife said, "Um, uh, obviously you're going to do what God's telling you, uh, which was nice, right, um, of her to say. So it was by noon on Tuesday that uh, it became clear to me that I was going to have to uh, redo the the sermon, start over, and, and go after it. And so, and I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are like, I think this is what pastors say when they don't like their sermon so they can blame it on Jesus, right? Well, maybe they do, but I promise you that's not what's happening here. I think that God has something for us. So here's the title of the sermon that didn't exist until Tuesday afternoon. Here it is, A Fresh Vision of Jesus Christ. Let's say that together. A Fresh Vision of Jesus Christ. That's what I believe God wants to do for many of us today, whether uh, you've been around here a long time or whether you're brand new, God wants to give many of us a fresh vision of Jesus Christ. And here's why I think that's important enough for God to intervene. It's because God has a calling on our church. Don't you agree with that? I mean, listen, God has a calling on 12 Stone Church. This Vision 2021 thing that we're chasing is more than just the next season or a a direction. It's a calling from God upon us as a church to be a place and a people of transformation. And God's done amazing things in the past in our church, amazing things. But God wants to do some new things in the future. Don't you sense that? Don't you? God wants to do new things in the future. Come on. That's right. And listen, and if God wants to do new things through us, then he's going to want to do some new things in us too. And one of those new things is to give us a fresh vision of Jesus Christ and who he is, because it's transforming. Uh, Look at what I uh, wrote here. It says, and this might be worth writing down. When you get a fresh vision of who Jesus is, we get a fresh vision of who we can be. So we need a fresh vision of Jesus Christ. He did this for me back in April in the most unlikely of places. I was at my uh, oldest daughter's college graduation up in Indiana. She graduated from Indiana Wesleyan uh, University, and the night before the graduation, 
There was a dinner for the uh, business school graduates, and there was about 100, 150 people in the room, and uh, all the programming took place, and then the keynote speaker walked up to speak, and it was a, a, a young lady, 30 years old, who had graduated from the same business program a few years earlier, and to be honest, the uh, programming had lasted long. I was tired from travel. I was not pumped to hear whatever she had to say. I was a little bit cynical about the whole thing. And this young lady stood up, and she did not deliver a speech. She delivered a sermon. And it was one of the most powerful sermons I've heard in a long time. And it was just about Jesus. She just talked about Jesus. This is the gist of what she said. She said, when I graduated college, my Jesus wasn't very big. He was big enough to be nice and big enough to be there when I needed help, but he wasn't somebody you'd give your everything to. He just wasn't that big. But over the last few years, Jesus has been showing me how big he is. He's been giving me a fresh vision, and it's been transforming. And then she just said, this phrase, she said, and I pray that you get a fresh vision of Jesus, because if you do, you'll get a fresh vision of who you could be too. And listen, I, I've, I've been a Christian 25 years. This is not new to me, but it's exactly what happened while I was sitting there. I was a mess. I was, you know, I'm on a table with strangers, and I'm wiping my tears and, and struggling, and, and uh, I'm having a spiritual awakening over here. Like if, my, if, if she had done an altar call, I would have come down. By the way, if I was a bad husband, I would tell you my wife actually fell asleep during all this. Um, but I'm not a bad husband, so I won't tell you that. <laughs> but I had an awakening, and I had a fresh vision of Jesus Christ, and it's been transforming to me. And that's what I think God wants to do for many of us in the room here. Give us a fresh vision of Jesus. And so, and God, God kind of gave me the message, uh, I've been in... Uh, in the book of Revelation in my private study, and, uh, and so what we're going to do is kind of do an overview of the first five chapters. I know that sounds like a lot. It's going to be awesome, and while we overview the five chapters, we're going to see these three pictures of Jesus that I bet you many of us have never seen before, these three pictures of Jesus, and we're gonna, underneath, we're going to be asking God to give us a fresh vision of Jesus so we can have a fresh vision of who we could be also, and so grab your Bibles and open them to the book of Revelation. We're going to be, uh, and, and by the way, at the end of every one of these pictures, we're going to have a time of response. We'll pray after the first two, and the last one, uh, we're going to come back into worship. And, and so open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 1. It's page 1,236 in your worship center Bible, and uh, we're going to be in verse 9 uh, to start. And so this kind of gives us an introduction, uh, kind of a backstory to uh, what's taking place here in this first picture of Jesus. It says, I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance, this is good marketing right there, if you want Jesus, you get suffering, kingdom, and patient endurance, uh, that are ours in Jesus. I, John, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Let me tell you what's happening. This is the Apostle John writing the book of Revelation, and he's been exiled to the island of Patmos, which is uh, off of Turkey, uh, between Greece and Turkey, and he's been exiled there because he won't stop talking about Jesus. 
You might say he's the lucky one of the original 12 apostles. Uh, you have Judas and the other, uh, who, who obviously was in his own camp. And then you have the 10 uh, other disciples. They all, they all died because they would not stop talking about Jesus and who he was. Which, side note, think about this. What would your vision of Jesus have to be for you to, to you would rather die than stop talking about him? Because that's who Jesus was to the original disciples. But John's the lucky one. He's just exiled onto the island of Patmos. And then uh, he goes on from here. It says, on the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches. Okay, so this is going out to, this, to seven churches. They're, they're all right around Turkey. Okay, none of them are in Georgia, even though one of them is Smyrna. And, and uh, okay, it's Ephesus, Smyrna, Perg Pergamum, Theatra, Sardis, and Philadelphia, and Laodicea. The seven churches. So this, this first vision is going to actually end up going to these churches. And here's the vision. Oh, let's, let's read it. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man. That's Jesus. So this is the description. Dressed in a white robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held the seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sh sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid, I'm the first and the last. I'm the living one. I was dead, and now look, I'm alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. This first picture is a picture of Jesus in the height of his sovereignty. The height of Jesus' sovereignty. You could go ahead and write that down if you're a note taker. This first picture, what we just read, the height of Jesus' sovereignty. We don't often picture Jesus like that, do we? Do we? Is that, I mean, is that how you normally picture Jesus? Not at all, right? In the Gospels, Jesus is a lot more human, isn't he? I mean, he, he walks around, he eats, he, he teaches, and yeah, he does miracles, but he's also kind of a carpenter. He's kind of a way more human, I mean, John, the Apostle John walked with that Jesus. When he saw this picture of Jesus, it knocked him to his feet like he was dead. This is not Jesus meek and mild. This is Jesus with a double-edged sword coming out of his mouth, whose face is radiant like the sun, and he's got a message for the future, a message about the future. This is him in the height of his sovereignty. And I want to talk about his sovereignty for a little bit. What does it mean? If we're going to get a picture of Jesus and his sovereignty, what does it mean that Jesus is sovereign? All right, here it is. It means that Jesus is in control of all that happens. Let's say that together. Jesus is in control of all that happens. Everything that happens, he's either the author of or he's the allower of. Nothing's just happening. He's in control of all that happens. And this includes the biggest global events taking place. 
In the introduction to the book of Revelation, John in verse five, chapter uh, one, verse five, he calls Jesus the ruler of the kings of the earth. He's moving the nations around as he chooses. Listen, that's not hard for him. He holds the keys of death and Hades. Moving the nations around isn't that big of a deal to him. And this includes not only the biggest things happening, this includes the smallest things in our lives. It was years ago that uh, uh, my youngest daughter, Morgan, was headed into high school and all her best friends had moved away and she was kind of bummed out at the thought of going into high school without uh, her closest friends. And me and my wife and her were praying and asking that God would bring her a friend. And right in the middle of praying, she got a text from a girl in her small group and it just said, I'd love to hang out. You know why? Because the sovereignty of Jesus does not overlook even the details of our lives. It matters to him that the heart of a young lady would not have to be sad going into high school. That matters to him. He's in control of all that happens. And remember, we said, when you get a fresh vision of, of who Jesus is, you get a fresh vision of who we are. Let me tell you who we are. We are a people of faith. That's who we are. Let's say that together. We are a people of faith. Here's what that means. That means that when something happens, we don't see chance, we don't see karma, we don't see random circumstances, we don't see luck, we see Jesus' sovereignty playing out, right? We see his sovereignty playing out. We believe this world is not cold and random and circumstantial, we believe this world is relational, that there's a person behind all that's happening. And that means that when something awesome happens, we have someone to thank. And it means when, when something awful happens, we have someone to fall on. Because he's in control of all that happens. It doesn't mean everything will be easy and everything will be great. It just means in our darkest moments, we can look to his sovereignty as a source of peace and strength and resilience. I know we can, because I've seen it up close. It was about 15 years ago in, in uh, probably the hardest season of my family uh, that we've ever been through. It started on a Sunday, I remember, because I was driving to church, and as I was driving to church, my car broke down, which was awesome, and, and uh, so I uh, called a friend, and uh, he uh, gave me a ride, and uh, actually, when I went back to look for that car, it was gone, it had been stolen, never saw that car again, so that's awesome. That was Sunday, okay? On Monday, the refrigerator of our house and our air conditioning broke, which was a great day, right? Those are two costly things. On Tuesday, our other car broke, which was the only other one we had, and our microwave broke. I was like, what is going on here? Like, I was like holding the toaster, you know, like, you cannot have this. Like, this is how we eat now. If you take the toaster, we're gonna die. That was Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, we found uh, my wife's cancer. She had ovarian cancer, and uh, 
It was devastating. As you can imagine, the bottom dropped out of our lives. And uh, we were in a season. Now, listen, my wife's fine. Many of you know her. She works here at the church. Um, but we didn't know what was going to happen. And, and through that season, uh, I was quite a mess. I was angry at God. I was angry at everything. And I was, I was in spiraling. And I was just a giant mess. And my wife was as peaceful as can be. Irritating, peaceful. Just, <laughs> just so peaceful. And my wife had to several times calm me down. And, and my, I remember my wife saying these things to me. She said, Miles, God's chosen us for this. We can trust him. He knows what he's doing. And she said, God is going to take care of us regardless of the outcome. Isn't that amazing faith? That's unbelievable, isn't it? I mean, who says something like that? Who talks like that? Do you know who talks like that? People who are convinced that Jesus Christ is in control of all that happens. That's who talk like that. And again, not that it was all roses and rainbows, but I learned from my wife that in the darkest moments, you can look to the sovereignty of Jesus and find peace and resilience and strength. But we do need a fresh vision of the sovereignty of Jesus. So can we just bow our heads and pray and ask him to give us that? And so, Jesus, we just declare, we just want to declare that you're sovereign over all. You're in control of all that happens. Just say that where you are. You're in control of all that happens. And, and God, won't you give us a fresh vision of our lives and how they're playing out as you intend and how, God, you are in control of all that happens globally down to the details And Lord, I, I pray that you would, you would help us to learn how to lean on your sovereignty so that we can find peace and strength and resilience in our times of need. And we love you and we bless you. Make us a people of faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad we came. <clears throat> turn back and say, we're just getting started. All right, we're just getting started. That's right, because we got, listen, we got two more pictures to go. You guys want to hit the next one? Yeah. All right, let's do it. We'll find this in, in uh, the second chapter, verse one. Let's go after it. It says this, to the angel of the church in Ephesus write, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. Now let's just pause and let's just admit right here, the book of Revelation is pretty difficult to understand, isn't it? Can we just acknowledge that? Like, like there's so many numbers and metaphors. Like it's, like, it's like he had bad pizza there on the island. And he's just making stuff up. The 37 Jedis and 14, you know, Twinkies. And he's just, he's just inventing stuff. And to make uh, things even more complicated, in this particular verse, there is a Greek to English translation issue because the word angel and the word pastor are kind of the same word in this context in the Greek. And I can promise you, Pastor Kevin is no angel. Okay? And so I don't know what was happening back then, but they're not angels today. And so here's what I've done for us. I've kind of just sorted it out. I'm going to give us a new version of this verse that most scholars would say this is what's actually happening. If you want to know how I got there, you can email me. My email is jason.berry at 12stone.com, okay? 
So let's read how, how I think it's actually, what it's actually saying. To the pastor of the church in Ephesus write, these are the words of him who holds the seven pastors in his right hand and walks among the seven churches. Here's what's actually happening. Okay, the apostle John, remember, he's on an island, he's been exiled, and he's having a vision of Jesus. And Jesus has words for these seven churches. Remember, this first revelation is for these seven churches. And he has a revelation specifically, John does, for the pastor over there in Ephesus with some instruction. And so he writes it down. And then a messenger would take these words over to that pastor in Ephesus and he would read them. Isn't that kind of cool? I think for that pastor, this would be a fresh vision of the nearness of Jesus' presence. It would be a fresh vision. I think this second picture is a fresh vision of the nearness of Jesus' presence. And here's why I believe that. I mean, imagine what it would have been like to be that pastor out there in Ephesus. He's the pastor of a group of people during a time of persecution. Imagine the weight of that, the responsibility, the anxiety that he would carry. And this is before cell phones, and he could just call people up and ask people advice. He probably felt like he was kind of out there all on his own. And I bet you sometimes he felt like, man, you know, where is God in all this? A million miles away. And then a messenger shows up and says, John, on the, you know, the apostle John has had a revelation of Jesus. He's got words of Jesus. And that's amazing. And some of them are just for you. Think about that. Well, let's find them. And they open it up. And the first thing he reads is not any instruction. It's a reminder of who Jesus is. I'm the one who holds you in my hand. And I walk among you. Meaning you are not on your own trying to figure this out all by yourself. And you might carry a lot of weight and responsibility and anxiety, but I carry you. Imagine what that would mean for that pastor out there. I think it would give him hope for the days to come, don't you? Because listen, when you discover who Jesus is, you discover, you get a fresh vision of who you, we are. And who, do you know who we are? We're a people of hope. We're a people of hope. That's who we are. Now here's the point of all this. Everything that is true for that pastor back then is true for each of us today. Do you know that? You're not on your own trying to figure out life all by yourself. Jesus is right there with you, walking among you. And you might carry a lot, but you don't have to sink because Jesus carries you. And as I was Reflecting on this moment, I thought, you know, we just need to pray. We do, because I know that there's many of us that it seems like Jesus is a million miles away and it seems like you're carrying it all on your own and you're losing hope. And we need a fresh vision of Jesus in his nearness and the nearness of his presence. Can we just bow our heads and can we pray together? (sighs) 
So Father, I do, I pray over us that you would give us a fresh vision of the nearness of your presence, the nearness of the presence of Jesus Christ. Won't you pray for that and ask him for that? And God, I know that there are many among us that we don't feel like you're near us. And we don't feel like you're carrying us. We don't sense your nearness. We, seems like we're all on our own. And it feels like we're sinking under the weight of life. And for some of us, that's a marriage that we just, man, we're losing hope. For some of us, that's our family. Just, there's things in the family and we, we just, it seems like we're on our own and we don't know. We don't even know what to do. And if you would come, if you would show up, oh, that could make a difference. If you would do for us what you did for that pastor, oh, that would make a difference. And maybe there's some of us in our, that we're just in our singleness, we just at times just feel so alone and we need a fresh vision that you're walking right here with us. Maybe it's just financial realities. Listen, if you, if you need a fresh vision of who Jesus is and how near he is and how he's carrying you, would you just raise your hand here at the campuses? Just raise your hand. Yeah, I need that. I need that. Good for you guys all over the room. Oh, God, we do. We need that. Oh, life can be heavy, can't it? It can be heavy at times. So, God, won't you give us a fresh vision of your nearness? Won't you be with us, Father? Show us how you're carrying us. Show us, Lord, we need a message, a messenger to come like he did. You know, in, in, in your own way, won't you do that for us? And just remind us that you're right here and that you're carrying us. Cameron, come on out, man. I've asked my friend Cameron to lead us uh, in a few uh, verses of a hymn to kind of seal this uh, time and, and this prayer and so here at the campuses, you can just keep praying and asking God to show you. We can sing along, but Cameron, go ahead and lead us, man. Me now, my Savior.
good? That's right. Come on. That's right. Hey, uh, <clears throat> all right, turn to your neighbor and say one more to go. <laughs> and turn back and say, I'm ready. All right, you ready to hit that last one? All right, let's do it. This third picture of Jesus comes from Revelation chapter 5, but you have to know what's going on in Revelation chapter 4 because uh, it kind of sets the stage. So these, uh, the, the, seven, the vision to the seven churches ends at the end of uh, chapter 3, and then chapter 4, he gets a new revelation, and it starts in the throne room of God. He sees heaven. And in the throne room of God, there's a mighty throne, and God is sitting on the throne, and around the throne are 24 other thrones that, that what he calls elder angels sit in. And then there are four other creatures that he calls living creatures, and there are some other type of angel. And the four living creatures constantly, it says, it says night and day they sing this song here, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And every time they sing that song, the 24 elders uh, sing this song. You are worthy, our Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you're the creator of all things and by, by your will they were created and have their being. And this is the epic scene happening in heaven in Revelation chapter 4. And it sets the stage for this picture of Jesus that, that uh, we see in Revelation chapter 5. So let's jump in, 5-1. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne, talking about God, a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. And I wept and wept, John says, because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. And let me tell you about the scroll. The scroll is called the scroll of salvation. And all that Jesus did on the cross when he died and, came, and then came back to life, all that he won for us in salvation is wrapped up inside of that scroll. And because it's sealed, it's unavailable. And so it's like it never happened, and that explains why John is crying, and because no one can open the scroll. That's what's happening here, and then uh, in verse 5, it says, one of the elders, one of the angels said to me, do not weep, see the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain. Now let's pause right here because this is the coolest, this is one of the coolest verses in the whole Bible uh, because what this is telling us is that the angels don't see everything about Jesus. They don't see him clearly. Remember the angels sing about his, the, his power and his might and that he's holy and that he's a creator of all things because they, they only know the, the, the stronger attributes of Jesus why they call him the lion, they don't understand salvation. It's, it's a mystery to them. They were not saved. It was not for them. First Peter, uh, Peter writes that about salvation, even the angels long to look into it, but they can't see it. They want to know. They just don't know. 
and they know they don't have a full picture of who Jesus is. John was there. He walked with Jesus. He knows all about Jesus' death and, and that he offered himself up for the world and that he's the lamb. And so John sees the lamb, but the angels don't have a full picture of who Jesus is until this happens. Let's go to the next verse. He went, so Jesus went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Before the who? Before the lamb. See, suddenly they had a fresh vision of Jesus. You know how they saw him? This is the third picture. They saw the depths of Jesus' love. They had never seen it. They had never known it. But they saw the depths of his love. And listen, and they had to respond. This is, just keep following the, the story here. Look at uh, what happens next. And they sang a new song. Okay, this is a new song in heaven. Whoever was running the lyrics must have been terrified, right? This is the one moment in heaven. You were worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. It was like the blinders fell off those angels' eyes there in the throne room. And suddenly they had a fresh vision of Jesus in his love. That's not the coolest thing that happens because they sing this song and the other angels, the 10,000 times 10,000 angels that are not in the throne room, they hear that song and the blinders fall off their eyes. Look at what happens next. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Isn't that amazing? This is the moment in heaven where the angels get a fresh vision of the love of Jesus. And when they do, they cannot help but sing to him. It's transforming to them as it is to us. Remember, we see him, we, we get a fresh sense of who we are. Do you know who we are? We're a people of love. We are a people of love. That's who, that's who we are. Because he is loving, we are loving. And, and this is a really big deal, when it, especially when it comes to this vision 2021, you guys. This is at the heart, that we would be a people of love. We, listen, we have to be more than a place of transformation. We have to be a people that are transformed. Transformed by the love of God, we pour ourselves out. We offer ourselves out to the world around us, just like Jesus did, so that they can have a fresh vision of Jesus and they can become his people of faith and of hope and of love also. That's at the heart of this Vision 2021 thing. Does that make sense to you guys? It's a really, really big deal. And that's what John was calling the church to back in the day. And that's what Jesus is calling the church to today. And I think this is why Jesus interrupted our message. And he gave me this new message. I think Jesus wanted us to be a transformed people. And so he wants us to have a fresh vision of Jesus Christ and so, guys, that's five chapters of the book of Revelation, and that's three pictures of Jesus. That's, I think, what, what uh, Jesus had for us today. That's why I think did it. It kind of makes you want to worship, doesn't it? I kind of thought we'd be sitting here going, man, I want to worship. That's right. That's right. It kind of, it kind of makes me want to do that. Like, like, when you read about the angels worshiping, you're like, hey, I want in on that. Can we please do that? And we're going to now. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to turn the service over to the campus pastors, and they're going to lead us 
uh, in worship. Well, welcome to Wellstone. Let's stand to our feet. We're gonna worship together this morning. I'm so thankful for Jesus and what he did on the cross today. So let's sing of that together. If you 